when you understand what you're supposed to do and how you can help better your community, it makes life a lot easier for you and you just have a lot more fun with it. I love teaching. I couldn't see myself doing anything else. Welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Cole Primo. And I'm your other host, Leah Lem. Miigwech for joining us. Native Lights is at its core place for Native folks to tell their stories. And every week we have these great conversations with guests from all sorts of different backgrounds. And it really centers around how we each share our gifts with our communities and find purpose in our lives. And it is... So much fun. I don't know. Like, it gives me a boost every time. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) I mean, sometimes we're doing this show after a full day of work, but it always, like, recharges you and, like, gets you... Gets you ready to make some dinner later or something. Like, Who's a hype show? (laughs) Hype show! Hype music on. So how are you doing, Cole? Great. I had a packed Halloween weekend. Uh, Maria and I went to the... Dead End Hayride in Wyoming, Minnesota, which is forest, uh, close to Forest Lake. So got on the hayride. It was, it was great. And how were your allergies? They weren't bad at the moment, but <laughs> let me tell you, it was really dusty and stuff. So the day afterwards, it was a, kind of a big deal after that. That's so. the thing. And then I went to the Vikings game for the first time at U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday and saw them beat the Cardinals, so that was great to see that uh, atmosphere for the first time. And we continue the good times today with this episode. I have something to share today. You remember we talked with Bethann Dodds several months ago about the Indigenous Parent Leadership Initiative with Indigenous Visioning, and they have cohorts. It's a cohort system that helps empower parent voices to like navigate the system right? The mm-hmm. the system, capital S. And it's really important because, you know, sometimes you can be intimidated by getting out there and speaking up for yourself. So this comes in, it helps folks find their strengths, kind of like a strength-based initiative. And it's just really beautiful. And a part of that initiative, each person in the cohort comes up with a community project. So I'm talking with quite a few of the cohort members from the White Earth Nation. They just had a graduation ceremony. Today, we're going to talk to two of them, and both are graduates of the Indigenous Parent Leadership Initiative, again, with from the White Earth Nation cohort, and their names are Susie Ballett and Lyra Hefner. And they have these really cool projects. Susie's doing one called Connecting with Your Spirit, and that's about identifying pipe carriers at the White Earth Nation community and who can connect with and offer guidance to young people to help them rebuild or build their connection with ceremony, particularly around their naming ceremony. Um, And then the other person is Lyra Hefner, and she is doing a really cool, like, data collection initiative to support investment around language revitalization programs in schools at White Earth Nation. So really just connecting to culture, 
empowerment, all of this great stuff. So let's hear from my conversation with the two White Earth Nation educators, and we will start with Susie Ballot. My name is Susie Ballot. I'm also known as Biwash. I'm from the village of Natawash, and I currently live in Callaway. Susie's project is about connecting to culture and, again, specifically connecting culture bearers and pipe carriers together with young community members with the goal of receiving their Ojibwe name. Without a doubt, I've always been an advocate for our people to know and learn about themselves along with all the different ceremonies. Our way of life is so beautiful. And it's like everyone should have that opportunity to learn and understand and grow as a person within themselves and knowing who they are and and to be able to um, pull from them those strengths that they have as Anishinaabe. I mean, we have so, so much beauty in our culture that Everyone deserves to know about it. What I've started doing with the kids at school, if I know that they have their Indian name, I prefer to call them by their name than their English name. Just to instill that so that they get in the habit of, so they won't forget who they are. So I prefer to call them by their Ojibwe name and to see them, their their face when you use their names and they're like, oh, me, you're talking about me, you know, that type of thing. And seeing the kids excited about who they are and connecting to that type of thing is really amazing because it's just a wonderful feeling knowing who they are as a person. But I feel like when you go in depth within your receiving your name, you also are spiritually connected to the person that gave you your name. That person becomes your wa'a, a part of their spirit and a part of their share. And that is like a godmother or a godfather, if you want to put it in basic terms or whatever. But those people that are put in front of you, as even as young people, when you receive your names, those people basically stood up to become and be a part of your life. And so those are the ones that will help guide that young person, that child or whoever they are in life to have that connection to teach and show them things that sometimes you you um, end up being a second parent to that young person. Susie has such a great perspective on this as an educator Each of these projects takes on this personal quality. Susie had come into the Indigenous Parent Leadership Initiative with community project ideas. Um, And then when she was there, this idea sort of morphed and shifted during the program. And a lot of it's due to like networking and um, getting input from other people from your community, from realizing your strengths. Um, And so she's actually already implemented this project. As the leadership program weeks continued, um, I decided to change my project to um, helping young people connect to their culture by finding out what their Indian names are. And, And I... I originally started with the kids at Circle Life, but I realized that all our kids need to know who they are. So I opened it to the reservation and starting it that way and connecting them with 
people that hold pipes in the communities on White Earth. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me what your project hopes to accomplish? Uh, Giving our kids a self of belonging instead of um, leading towards a path of getting into gangs and things like that and being strong within their own spirit and knowing who they are as Janabe people. Mm -hmm. By connecting them with people in our community that hold pipes and give letting them learn about who they are as people and who they are as what type of spirit they have uh, through building relationships with the pipe carriers in the community that eventually, you know, if they need to learn about their um, moon time ceremonies or young men ceremonies, that they would have access to those people that have those teachings throughout the reservation. Mm-hmm. And how have you gotten a sense from the community how they feel about it? Are they excited for it from both the, the pipe carrier's point of view and other folks who are interested? Yes. Um, so far, I've connected with maybe 10 pipe carriers in the village of Natawash, and they all said they were on board to help our kids. And uh, currently, there are four, four of the students at um, COLA have received their names at Circle Life Academy. And, and it's open for all ages. Not, um, but mine is based on the kids so that um, by the time they finish high school, finish going into college, they have that balance of being able to walk in two worlds. And by finding out who they are as a person, you know, it, it'll help them in the long run. So Susie's project is already helping young folks receive their Ojibwe name. What I like about it is that it's it's not just, you know, you get your native name and then you go on your way, but you're connecting, as you said, with, with the community, with these pipe holders and, and, you know, really learning about your people. Yeah, it's really about connecting to culture and belonging. And these projects really shine due to the unique perspectives and gifts that each person brings to the cohort. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, we're hearing from two people who participated in the Indigenous Parent Leadership Initiative through Indigenous Visioning in the White Earth Nation cohort. Susie Ballett and Lyra Hefner have both looked at their strengths and the strengths of their communities to start projects through this initiative. This next person, Lyra Hefner, is also an educator and has known Susie for years. So they're both put together into this cohort. And Lyra's doing some cool stuff. And she's doing data collection around the White Earth Nation about language in order to build investment in language revitalization programs. Buju Nindinaway Maganadog Bangi Tigoninatal Jibwim Aguate Se Indishnakas Megazine Dudem Opwaganas Ningish Nakadesh Kanikan Winch Bayan Kao Babakanakag in Don Chiba Ogamanda Lo. My name is Lear Hefner. I am a teacher at the Wabin Public High School and I am also a parent and I live currently in Ogama. I 
was always told when I was in high school, oh, you should go be a teacher. You should go to school to be a teacher. And I was like, no, 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 I'll never do that. And I even helped out with after school programming. Um, since I was in ninth grade, I looked at my pay stub and it said that I've been, a, been an employee at my school district since 2007. <laughs> I was just like, that's a long time. But I went to the University of Minnesota Morris. I had three majors. None of them had anything to do with education. When I graduated, came back home, I started off um, doing quiz bowl coaching for Ojibwe language and culture, and then did some uh, para work starting at the uh, uh, Circle of Life Academy. And then that jump started me into being in the classroom more. And it just, it kind of fell into place. And it's one of those things I tell my students, this is a, a life lesson that you can take for me that even though you go to school, you graduate, you come back home and you think you know what you're going to do, you're in, you're going to end up doing what you're meant to do in the long run. And I was like, I would have saved myself a lot of time if I had just picked that education major that first week of school. <laughs> but it's, it's been able to provide me with a lot of awesome opportunities just to learn from different people. And it's when you understand what you're supposed to do and how you can help uh, better your community, it, it makes life a lot easier for you and you just have a lot more fun with it. I love, I love teaching. I don't, I couldn't see myself doing anything else. Can you say again what your majors were? My majors, they were American Indian Studies, Anthropology, and then I designed my own major in Indigenous Language and Culture Revitalization. And um, I graduated with a BA in Anthropology. So it all kind of like ties in, but I had no experience with education. So being an educator now, all the acronyms and lingo of education, I'm just like, wait, can I get a dictionary for all this stuff? <laughs> but by being in the classroom, by being a para, watching awesome teachers teach, I was able to learn from that firsthand as opposed to, okay, this is what it says in my textbook for my education major. But being in the classroom um, is a different experience mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, that's great. Well, I mean, it's... It it's clear that education is important to you and you were a participant and then learned from that and then are able to apply what you learned um, instead of being, like you said, told what to do through a textbook. Um, even though that's that's cool too. But, yeah. Um, it's, it's a different way to get there. <laughs> yeah. I took the long route this time. <laughs> so Lyra clearly is a big fan of education and is passionate about making sure that those opportunities are there for others as well. And then I think that leads nicely into her long-term goal for education and why collecting data is so important to that goal. I want to do create an immersion school on the reservation and then through the um, initiative, it really had me look at what can I bring? It's always one of those things where 
you feel overwhelmed, you know there needs to be changed, but how can I change something? What can I do as an individual where you're not having to rely on a whole bunch of other people to have their ducks in a row as well? I think this gives a huge opportunity for individuals that really seek to make change, be able to do it in a realistic way and to be able to meet those goals by helping us break it down to what can I do it for me personally, I never thought I'd be able to break things down like that because I'm always like, okay, here's the big picture. I got to start tackling, you know, this end of it to be able to get to the other end. But by tackling this one end, I will get to the end of it. It's not when I get to the, I will get to the, my final goal and being able to set those things in motion has given me a huge boost in, I don't know how to describe it, but being able to do the things I set out to do, not just like with the initiative, but also individually in my own life, like, okay, um, here's a goal. This is a problem that I need to work on just individually. What can I do about this? It's given me skills. There we go. It's given me skills to be able to do those things, not just with the initiative, but at home, within my personal life, at work, those those skills to be a leader and to um, take those things and really look at them and break them down and meet my goals, which for it's been a, a hard thing for me before to meet those goals. Cole, have you ever thought that there was something you wanted to do that was so big? that you could never like finish it or get oh, there. Yeah. There's definitely been some some big projects. I did like that, you know, she has that emphasis on she will reach her goal. Like she's clearly, you know, very optimistic in uh, you know how she's approaching um these these bigger projects and uh, I like I also like the fact that, you know, you you can't change everything at once. You, you got to focus on what you can focus on just like and just change change will come. Right, and the Indigenous Parent Leadership Initiative has been really helpful in empowering the cohort to find what they can do in like a manageable way. So Lyra wants to start an immersion school, right? She's an educator. It seems like a very logical project for her. But going from being an educator to starting an immersion school that's a pretty big leap. So what is that manageable thing? What is that manageable proje- project that Lyra can do that will lead her in the right direction? Right. And that is data collection in order to promote investment in such a project. Um, my project, I want to do a comprehensive language, Ojibwe language assessment on the White Earth Reservation. Uh, The driving force behind it, I'm a language teacher and culture teacher, and I've been learning the language since I was little. It's something that's always been a huge part of my life. And I know 
our communities within the reservation and um, elsewhere that serves our white earth members are in desperate need of language revitalization, cultural revitalization. And the one way that I know I can help is by doing an assessment, creating a survey, being able to gather that information on the reservation and also to gather that data to put towards grant writing to be able to get funding for immersion programs, immersion schools, and other cultural revitalization programs. That sounds amazing. I know data is so powerful, um, especially if you can get it, (laughs) and it is tough to get. Um, Can you tell me a bit about where your community is in language learning now and where you hope to see it? The White Earth community, the reservation itself, we have less than a handful of first language speakers in a very small portion of second language speakers that are fluent enough to um, be able to hold those conversations, conduct ceremonies, teach language. It's out of 18,000 plus members of the White Earth Reservation, there's less than 20, 10 members that can do that which is, it's it's a do or die situation. I worked at the Bad River um, Reservation and they hadn't had a first language speaker, fluent speaker in a decade, two decades. And it was, it was hard to see them struggle trying to bring back their language. And I don't want our communities to have to struggle the same way. We have great opportunities within the different school systems here, both um, the early childhood, public education, tribal schools, charter schools, and even the tribal college that are all willing to work together to create awesome programs for our students. We just need to have the the will, the money, and <laughs> the people to do it. And um, the research I've done going to college. Um, I studied abroad in New Zealand for a semester my senior year. I got to learn about their language revitalization programs. I saw firsthand one of their immersion schools. I got to spend time with a family that only spoke the language in their household and saw what awesome impact that had just within their family. And I know by revitalizing our language and culture, will create strong individuals, which will ultimately create a strong nation. And I really want to see that. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, we're hearing from two people who participated in the Indigenous Parent Leadership Initiative through Indigenous Visioning in the White Earth Nation cohort. Susie Ballett and Lyra Hefner have both looked at their strengths and the strengths of their communities to start projects through the initiative. So these projects have this through line of community, connection, and empowerment. And Lyra with data collection in hopes of building an immersion school, and Susie with connecting culture bearers and pipe carriers to young people who are looking for their native names. They are both these caring people who want to see reconnection to culture in their communities. And so 
I was on this meeting with them mm. at the same time, and I wanted to hear them reflect on one another's projects because they know each other and they're in the same cohort um, and it, they're not disconnected topics, right? Um, so I asked Lyra what she sees as a strength in Susie's project of connecting pipe carriers with young people to receive their names. Knowing yourself, knowing your name, your name isn't just something that you're called. It's your your purpose in life. It's your um, gifts. It's the things that you're supposed to carry on in your life to be able to help others. And I think a lot of our young ones, they don't know their purpose and they are not given an opportunity to showcase that purpose. And by understanding who they are as an individual and being able to have people to turn to when they need that advice, to turn to when they need help is going to help them not just within their young years, but throughout their entire lives. And as Susie, being an educator as well, she she knows firsthand how a young person's whole being brightens up when they know who they are. And I've grown up with Susie being an auntie figure to me. So being same age as her own kids, and we're always going to have those those hard times in our lives, but being able to turn to those people that have helped us out all along the way really makes a huge impact on how well we do in life. And I think she's just that little bit of her helping out is going to create such change within our community. It's so fun to see how what seems to be such different projects actually kind of go towards the same purpose. And so Susie had a reflection on Lyra's language revitalization hopes and dreams. For me, I thought it was important knowing that there is such a shortage in the language on the reservation that I myself decided to go back to college and they're offering a language certificate at um, White Earth. So I joined just to uh, learn more of the language along with teaching my own students along with my grandchildren, because the language is important. And that's what gives us a self of belonging. One of the instances I had in the classrooms is I had these teenage, well, they were sixth graders, big boys. And I told them, I'm like, you know, it's important to know your language. Do you guys know these directions? And it was like they cared, but they didn't. They rather play games, whatever, you know. And I said, hey, guys, guess what? In 50 years, I'm not going to be here. Somebody's going to have to talk for me because I choose to be buried in a certain way. And it it was like, one of you guys are going to be running sweats. One of you are going to be a pipe carrier. One of you are going to be doing that. Who's going to send me on my journey if you don't even know the basics of the directions? And then we were giving this transparent. It helps with language. And so the next week, they all sat around my desk and started listening and saying all these phrases in Ojibwe. And it was it was amazing to hear these kids being 
interested in the language, you know, when you break it down to a, their level and letting them know, hey, you these you guys are the future. It was amazing to see them more engaged in the language and wanting to learn. As a former child myself, I do understand that it's tough. <laughs> it's tough to, you know, focus on these things when you can play and stuff like that. But the fact that she broke it down with them, like this, this you're going to need to know this stuff and um, just connecting with them in that way and, and, and eventually they'll, they'll sign on, they'll sign on to it. So mm-hmm. it's great that she's, she's uh, encouraging these youth. And it seems like, and it is the case that there's really good community support for these projects and through the indigenous parent leadership initiative. I mean, they provide some funding um, a bit of junior for these projects to kind of get kicked off. And, you know, then it's Lyra and Susie's of the cohort take it from there and keep going. I think there's a really good foundation for these projects moving forward. So Chimi Gwech to Lyra Hefner and Susie Ballot. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Gigawatman. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.